We want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a reoccurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com give. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week, we started this little deal on honor. Um, uh, uh, we talked about what does it look like to give God your very best. And, and today, I want to stay on the same theme. I want to ask the same question. What does it look like to honor God? What does it look like to live an, a life of honor towards God? For the unbelievers that are in the room, people, they were like, I just, I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm still trying. I like coming around this church. I like being around here. I like you Christians. Y'all are cool people. Y'all are awesome. Y'all serve some good stuff around here. I like it. I dig it. But I, man, I'm just struggling with some stuff. I want you to pay attention to our conversation today as we talk about what does it mean to honor God. And today's message is about this, complete dependency upon God. If you're taking notes, if you're writing down, this is what we're talking about today. And let me just put it like this. Are you ready? You know what honors God when you have a complete dependency upon him. You know what honors God is when you have a complete and total surrender to him. Your faith speaks speaks life. Your faith in the choices you make is a complete dependency upon God. The choices you make are a complete dependency upon God. The things that you honor in life are things that are completely dependent upon God. You can't make a move without thinking, what does God want me to do? Does that make sense? And if you're in this room and you're like, I love that, but I don't know if I am that. That's why we're talking about it. Because I, there was a time in my life to where I wanted it more than anything. But I, would, I basically would turn to my pastor and say, come on, sharpen me. How can my life be a complete dependency upon God? Okay? And so with that, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 1, verse 4 here in a minute. And let me tell you what today is about. Okay? Here is really what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the pitfall of positivity. Okay? Can I just be honest with you? Last night, Heather and I went to bed. We're laying on the bed. Oh, I'm laying my pillow here. She's laying on her pillow there. And in this sleepy, I'm going to sleep voice, very kind, very sweet wife voice, she looks over at me and she goes, what are you speaking on tomorrow? Like that. And I said, I'm talking about the pitfall of positivity. And it was complete silence. I thought, I thought she went to sleep. And she wasn't asleep. She was thinking of the nice way of asking me, how can you be positive and there be pitfalls? Because Heather is a cheerleader. <laughs> and Heather loves positivity. P-O-S-I-T-I-V. Positivity. <laughs> Heather loves positivity. And positivity is incredible. Do you love positive people? I do. I love positive people. And today I'm not dogging positivity. I'm turning to everyone here today. And when can positivity be a pitfall? Let's take a look at Malachi chapter 1 verse 4. It says this, even though Edom, now there were two brothers. There was Jacob and Esau, okay? You can study their stories, Jacob and Esau. Esau ended up building a tribe separated, separate from Jacob. That tribe was called Edom, okay? They turned into pretty wicked people. And God wouldn't let them stay wicked. God dealt with them. God would not let them prosper if they didn't start following him. Okay? 
Look at what God says. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but, everybody say but. But. We will return and build the, the desolate places. Okay, let me just stop real quick. Let me give some explanation here. Edom is experiencing God saying no. Has anybody else in the room heard God say no? God's no's are pretty awesome. In fact, let me just jump in and just tell you, if you've ever wanted a, a yes from God, you probably need to appreciate the no's from God too. God's no's are just as awesome as God's yeses. We always want God's yeses, but let me just tell you, God's no's is protecting you. God's no's is, is, is setting you up for his yeses. You don't want God to say yes to something that's not him. And what we have in Edom here is they're experiencing God's no's. No, you can't do that. No, you can't move forward. No, you can't pass go. No, you can't collect $200. No, Edom, listen to me. You're staying where you're at. The answer's no. Until I become your God, the answer's no. And look at what Edom says here. It says very clearly, he says, we have been impoverished. They see God's no as impoverishment. They see God's no as a negative. But then they throw the word in there, but. But we will return and build the desolate places. This is a great statement. It's a statement where like, we're not going to stay down. Come on, guys, we're better than this. Come on, let's rally the troops. Let's build a bridge. Let's build a dam and build our electricity. Let's, let's do this over here. Let's do this over there. And it's this pep talk amongst the people of we can beat this. Come on, let's pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and let's move forward. Is that good? The answer's, I think. I don't know what to think anymore, Ty. You've completely messed with me. Look at what God says to their positiveness. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw it down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation for. Your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the borders of Israel. Let me tell you the way this goes down. God hears Edom saying, we're going to do this. We're going to pick ourselves up. And God responds. And this is God's response. No, you're not. As my children, I cannot let you make one move until we get the move, the most important thing, as the main thing that you haven't got in your hearts yet. I am the God who will meet all of your needs, but it's according to my righteousness. I shall bless you, but I can only bless what I give you. I can't bless what I don't give you. I can't prosper you. I can't use you if we're going to do it your way. And God is saying, no, you will not go anywhere, Edom, until I am your source. A minute ago, we brought up the title. You know what really honors God? Whenever we are completely dependent upon him. How do we honor God? Completely dependence upon God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is how we honor him. Not a positive attitude towards our life like we can do it, 
We can do this ourselves. In fact, let me make this statement, this is kind of clear it up. Being positive does not mean you have faith in God. Okay. I'd like at some moment, somebody, other than the two awesome staff members on the front, <laughs> to kind of jump in and go, that's really true. In fact, at any point, if you'd like to throw an amen in, just follow Jeff and Kelly, and they'll teach you how to amen. In fact, let me just tell you, every time the drum does this, your hands should do this. It's really awesome. No, I'm being tacky now. I'm being mean. Here's the deal. Think about this. Being positive doesn't mean that you have faith in God. In fact, that's probably one of the big problems with being an American. We think because being an American makes us Christians. And you know that's not true. In fact, let's go a little deeper. Maybe you think going to church makes you a Christian. <laughs> and you know that's not true. Maybe you think because you read your Bible, that makes you a Christian. And the fact is, you, you know a lot of people that own a Bible have never read it, but they said they did. It didn't take, take them one step closer to God. And one of my biggest shockers about college was people who taught the Bible in secular colleges didn't mean that they believed the Bible. They were teaching it from a history book, and that blew my mind that someone could read the Bible and still not believe in God. They struggle with that one. That's a big one right there. But maybe you've met a lot of positive people. They're just encouraging, uplifting, telling you all the time, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. But what if they keep telling you, you can do something that God said you can't? What if you got somebody in your life that just loves you, loves you to no end? You know what the great thing about grandmas is? They don't care what you've done. They love you. Yeah, you're the one that can go to your parents, and your parents just chew your butt out. Go to grandma and tell them what happened, and grandma goes, well... They should have had better parents. <laughs> their, their mama didn't raise them right. And you can have this grandma who encourages you and pumps you up. And grandma could be giving you some incredibly positive talks that get you no closer to God's will for your life. I'm not dogging grandmas. I'm just making the tension in the front of this message very clear that we don't honor God when we're positive. We honor God when we serve and follow his ways. When we are completely dependent on God. Being positive does not mean you have faith in God. In fact, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. Even in laughter, the heart may sorrow, and in the end of mirth may be grief. Let me, let me read you the message version of this. I love the New King James, but let me read you the message version. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, sure, those people appear to be having a good time. But all the laughter will end in heartbreak. That's the difference between being completely dependent and surrendered to God's plan, which honors him, or just choosing to be a positive life and let's just everybody be happy and have a great time. And Proverbs warms us of the heartbreak that comes with that kind of life. What am I saying? Don't be positive? Not at all. I love positive people. I love people when they are on board. God talks about the power of unity. No, let me just be very clear. We can't let our positiveness convince us of something that's okay. 
when it doesn't honor God at all. Does this make sense? Yeah. Positivity should serve the spirit, but the spirit should never serve the positive attitude, which means I'm just going to believe everything's going to be okay, and I'm going to ask God to join me in that belief. Or I'm going to completely humble myself to God, and I am going to be positive and knowing that he is the God who has my steps and orders, and his ways are my ways. And no matter what this world says, I am focused, and I know, I am positive in what God has for my life. And for the rest of my days, throughout the, the, the eternity of life, I will follow his truth, and that is my positive life, to know that it is okay, because God is my God. See the difference? It's huge. It's huge. Did you know that you can be positive and positively wrong? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about some examples, okay? Let's talk about some examples. Here we go. I got a couple things I want to talk to. For everybody in the room that's like, Ty, you're messing with me right now. I am really torn up. I, I don't want you to be torn up. I want you to keep your positive attitude. I don't you, I, let's not lose that. Would you agree? Turn the person next to you and say, you can do it. See how awesome that was? That was so positive. That was so incredible. But what can you do? We're not here to build things for ourselves. We're here to honor God and to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does this make sense? And this honors God. So I want to talk to all the people in the room who you would consider yourself to be ambitious. I want to talk to all the go-getters in the room, all the hustlers, all the ones that don't take no for an answer. Don't get nervous. I love these guys, by the way. In fact, there's a part of me that you just got to know. There's a little hustler in Ty Bean, okay? There's a little go-getter in Ty Bean. Every now and then, I have to feel the bit in my mouth as God goes, whoa, cowboy, whoa, okay? And I love the fact that just at the point to where I just get ambitious and I get so excited, we can do this and we can bring camels in for, the, for, for Christmas and we can plant pumpkins. We can plant pumpkins. Pumpkins are going to be so great. And then we can, we, let's build a building. I don't know why not. Let's just build a building. And, and I can be ambitious. If there's anybody in the room that you're a hustler, you're a go-getter, you don't take no's for an answer. Let me tell you, this talk we're about to have should go straight to your heart like it's gone to my heart a million times. There's four things I'd like to talk to you about, okay? Number one, question I have. Do you ever make plans before you ask God what his plan is? I've done this. And it's a little bad habit. In fact, it can turn into the, some of the worst mistakes you ever make in your life. You know that old comment, it always costs a little bit more to go first class? Yeah, it always costs a lot more to do something outside of God's plan. Yeah, let me just tell you real quick about the apologies I have had to give that I really didn't want to give because I got a little too ambitious and didn't ask God what he wanted to do. Um, I have had to turn to men, grown men, in parking lots of football games and turn to them and say, I completely did not take into consideration that your kid plays football too, and I completely acted like an idiot, and I am truly, truly sorry. In which they didn't give me the response I was looking for, but I had to sit there and suck it up like a, like a man and realize it wasn't their response I was looking for. Ty Bean, you totally stepped out of line, and you owe this man a, par a, a parking lot. No, you owe this man an apology. Uh, I can tell you about paying for vehicles 
that I had no business purchasing, but I got excited. And I, I'm a go-getter, and I'm a mover and shaker. Let me just tell you about commitments that I made that about three days into the commitment, I realized this was not God's best, and this was distracting me and taking away from really the things God wanted me to do. But I'm all about my plans, and let me just tell you, ain't nobody can shoot from the hip like I can. I mean, I'll do it. Yes, I'm in. I mean, let's go, let's do it. Go, 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 go. And then the next thing you know is you completely ambitious your way into a pitfall. Am I talking to anybody else in the room? Okay. And the, the lesson that we learn here is that we can be a little too positive in our ambition and we need to slow down and realize that asking God what his plan is is the key and most important thing and it honors God. God, what do you want to do? And, and later on in the message, I'm going to talk to you about the 24-hour rule. And in our home, the 24-hour rule has blessed our Father so much that we would stop what we want to ask him what he wants to then turn around and then he goes, okay, now I'm going to show you what I want. And it's blessed us endlessly. Second question I have for the ambition, ambitious is this. Do you ever find yourself asking God to bless something he doesn't want in your life? So you went ahead and did something, and then you turned to God and asked him to pay for it? Yeah. Wow. Have you ever just got so excited about a relationship that you got into it, and then you turned God to God and said, God, I, um, help us fall in love? <laughs> <laughs> Make him pretty? <laughs> Handsome? Lord, can you please do something about all the words that he uses? Have you ever been so ambitious that you find yourself asking God to bless something that he doesn't want? Because he had something else. And if you'd have waited on God's best, it would have honored him. It really would have. Do I think that you should have courage? Do I think you should have faith to step out and to do things? Yes, but only in the areas that he says now. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, the heart of, man's plan, uh, the heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. You should tell yourself this every time you want to do something. Am I planning my ways or am I letting the Lord establish my steps? Third question I have for you. Do you lay in bed at night and think about how much more, uh, how to get more, instead of asking God what he wants to do with what he's given you? Some of us are in the room going, um, never experienced that before, <laughs> but it's coming. Yeah. Can I tell you, as faithful as you are with what you have, more will eventually come. But here's the dangerous thing. If we get in the habit of always thinking about more, we'll eventually come to the place to where we never ask God, what do you want me to do with what you've given me? Because yeah. stewardship isn't getting more. You ought to write that down. That's really good. Stewardship isn't getting more. Stewardship isn't getting more. I'm going to say it one more time. Stewardship isn't getting more. Stewardship is taking care of what you've been given. God, what do you want me to do with this? How can it bless your kingdom? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Let me give you an idea. These words came from Jesus himself. 
In fact, one of the greatest characters that we have in the Bible who documented so many key things is a man by the name of Luke. Luke is a fantastic um, uh, source of so much things, information that we have never, we would never have if it wasn't for this incredible man. Luke was in a conversation with Jesus and he wrote down these very words that Jesus said. And so Luke is writing this, but it's Jesus who is saying it. And he says, this is Jesus. He says, then he spoke of a parable to them saying, Jesus says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty. So a rich guy has a great year, okay? He's built up, he's paid for, he's taken care of. And then all of a sudden he gets to the point to where it just rains when it should rain. It shines when it should shine. It's just a great year. And he thought within himself saying, hmm, what shall I do? since I have no room to store my crops. So he said, yeah, that's a great problem. It's really cool to think about it. He said, I'll do this. Everybody say, aha. Uh -huh. This is what he came up with. I will pull down my barns and build greater barns. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and I love that part, He's having a pep talk to his soul. Come on, guys. Here we go. Let's just dream a little bit. Let's go for it. What are the things we've always wanted to do? Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But verse 20 should shock us to the core. Verse 20. Everybody say those five words. But God said to him. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I am not trying for anybody in the room to be like, great, this is just great. Stop. Do you not think God has talked to me about barns I've built in my life? I'm not bringing condemnation, and I am not trying to get you to go home and rethink your uh, 20-year uh, reunions coming up. And we're going big, but we talked to God about it. Okay, thanks, Jeff. I, I needed a laugh right there. I really did. I'm not dogging your vacations. I'm not dogging the trucks you drive. I'm not dogging these things. But am I bringing a, bringing a reality check that so many times we can think barns are so great? And God's turning and saying, God's... Guys, barns don't make it to heaven. Barns, barns don't make it to heaven. Do you need barns? Sure you do. Where are we going to store the crops? But a guy had a good year. And he built barns? God said, why did you think I gave you a good year? There was something I wanted to do with you. There was something that I had planned. Did you ever stop and ask me, God, it was a good year? Let's do it in a Jewish way. God, it was a good year. <laughs> what do you want to do? Do you think God's bashful? God's not bashful at all. In fact, there's been moments I thought, he'll never tell me. He'll never show me. I don't know what to do with it. And then with just a little bit of time, I'm in a conversation or I see something on TV or I recognize something and I think to myself, oh, we could do it. 
Who could do that? Had a great mentor who really taught me the book of Malachi when I was growing up, Mike. I hope Mike comes here someday. He's such a great guy. He, he's, he can be grouchy as all get out, but he's one of my favorite guys in the whole world. And Mike had a good year. And Mike prayed, God, what do you want me to do with this good year? And one day, Mike was getting out of his truck to go into the church, and God said, no, sit in your truck. Now, for a guy who's a board member, a guy who leads in the church, sitting in your church isn't the greatest leadership move you can make. So he's really wondering if he's hearing from God. But he just felt like shutting the door and sitting in his truck. And he sat in his truck, and he just sat there. It was hot, so he turned the truck on, and he just watched. And he watched people pull up and pull in. He watched the people get late. He watched all these people. And one of the things that he noticed is how many elderly people there were in their church. He said he really didn't recognize them when they were in the, in the church, but when he sat in the parking lot, he just saw little old ladies getting their stuff together and their big Bibles, great big Bibles, in their, and they carried them into the church, and they turned around, and everybody else, he saw, this was funny, everybody else would go, turn and go to their car. Little old ladies went, Click, like that, to their car. <laughs> That's funny if you think, maybe this is the <laughs> 9 o'clock crowd. And Mike thought, well, shouldn't, I think there's something there. Mike took a documentation, like wrote down every car he saw where an elderly person that he just knew and loved got out of their car. He noticed these are the ladies who show up at prayer meetings. These are the ladies that pray for you when you're sick. These are the ladies who cook food for you when you're down and out. These are the ladies who we never say thank you to, but they're doing most of the work behind the scenes for our church. Does that make sense? And Mike gets out of his car when Holy Spirit told him to, and he walked up to the first little old lady car, and he noticed her tires, they were completely bald. He went to the next one, completely bald. Next one, had a husband and a car that was completely bald. (laughs) All these things, completely bald, okay? And he put two and two together. Probably some of them couldn't afford new tires. Number two, probably some of them didn't even know they had bald tires. Some of them were widows that had husbands that checked those kind of things, and she didn't know to check them anymore. And he didn't go to church that day, and he sat in his truck, and he thought about someone should get these ladies some tires. And it dawned on him, I'm that someone you can build barns, or you can buy tires. So he called up for his tire. He said, this is going to be the craziest thing ever, but I need someone to show up now. And right there on that Sunday morning, Forest Tires showed up, and they wrote down tire size of every car in the parking lot. And the next week, all the little ladies went inside, and all the Forest Tire trucks went to work like four or five of them, just and jacking up the back end and go. That, don't clap yet, it gets good, okay? Yeah. This is the guy who didn't want to build barns, but recognized the people that worth, were in, worth investing in, that some people didn't realize that the reason they got through their sickness was because this person was praying for them. The reason this person got through their difficulty is because this person was there for them. Some of them never knew they got new tires. They just thought those old ones lasted forever. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. She never checked them, but she, she ended up 20 years later passing away with the same tires. <laughs> they lasted 40 years. Seriously. I saw something that day that inspired me. Our new building, let me just tell you real quick, the dream I've always had about our new building is I want a parking team 
that will go valet park every person over years old. And we're going to wash windows. And we're going to check gas gauges. And we're going to check tire pressure. And it's going to be more than a teenager getting in a car and going to park in the car. We're going to have, have all the stuff on them. And, and, and Mrs. Jones, she got tire uh, pressure cha- checked, uh, windshields washed, all these things. And then when you get into your car, there's a little sticker that it says, we love you from the, from the uh, parking team. Uh, your tires have been checked, your gas has been checked, your, 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 we washed your windows, we, we filled your windshield wiper fluid, all these things, and every time you get into your car, there's a Cowboy Junction little sticker there that says, just want to know we love you and taking care of you, and sometime every now and then there's going to be new tires popped on people's cars, and I, I didn't come up with that. I saw that when I was 17 years old, and Mike Rogers didn't want to build barns. He wanted to invest in people. Fourth and final thing to the ambitious. Is there more positive conversation or positive compromise instead of humble submission to God's instruction? Okay. Listen. Humble submission. For everybody in the room that say, Oh, God understands. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Guys, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to wrap this up. Until our desire to honor God and serve him becomes our entire existence, there will always be hollow victories that suck the life out of us. Like little victories that you're like, this should make me happy. And you were never happy. There will be no food that satisfies our taste buds. There'll be no touch. Because our touch will grow callous and cold. And we will end up, got that one? We will end up, we'll end up standing in a trophy room built today to only hold dust tomorrow. That's what will end up happening. If you make your ways God's ways, though, this honors our Father, and His plans will always be available to those who honor Him. Honor. Guys, we've got to learn how to give God our best. Let me talk real quick to one group of people, to the rebellious. For anybody in the room that you're just going to do whatever you want to do and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks and I'm just going to let everybody, let's just everybody be everybody. Just You, you celebrate me and I'm going to celebrate you. Slow down. One of the reasons we come to church is not for you to declare your ways, but you now have someone who's trying to put in front of you God's ways. So for all the rebellious, just take a time out for a minute. Let me talk to you. Do teenagers ever disagree with their parents? Yeah. Teenagers do disagree with their parents. But we have to recognize, is this just growth or is this rebellion? But good parents stick to their guns. It's not because they hate their children. It's because rebellion needs an enemy. Yeah. Come on, think about it. Rebellion needs an enemy. You need someone, God's word, the Holy Spirit, it may be your pastor, 
It may be that grandma who turns to you and says, someone needs to tell you that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Enemies of rebellion, okay? If we're going to find enemies of rebellion, if we're going to fight rebellion, let me just tell you two things that fight rebellion. Correction and consequences. And one's easier than the other. Trust me, the consequences of rebellion are something I don't want for you. But correction from rebellion is like a wet stone going across a blade. It hurts, but in the long run, it makes it better. Rebellion needs an enemy. And anything outside of God's blessing is a curse. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Did you hear that? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And it's not, it's not, we're not talking about rich money here. Maybe we are in a, in a sense, but I mean rich in your family, rich in your soul, rich in your mind. Rich in your, in, in your raising kids, rich in your heritage. You may, God's going to bless you in every rich. Yeah. It's one of those things I want you to understand. The peace of God surpasses all understanding, and that's a blessing. But to get that, anything outside of God's blessings is a curse. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. In closing, here's the statement I want you to go home with. You ready? His best is my quest. His best is my quest. Another great tattoo right there. His best is my quest. Right there. His best is my quest. His best is my quest. I don't want it if it's not God's. I don't need it if God doesn't give it. I want to know God's plans. I want to know God's wills. I want to be completely, wholeheartedly dependent on my God. I love blessings. I love prosperity. I want to grow. I want my business to grow. I want our church to grow. I want our community. I want my family to grow. But our growth comes from the Lord, and we, we will wait on God's best because his best is my quest. I want you to start recognizing some times in your life that maybe ah, you've seen God and his love for you and you stopped and paused and said, the choice I'm about to make isn't God's best. But I know how much God wants, loves me, so I'm willing to walk away from it. One of the things we do in our, our family to walk away from things that aren't God's best, I'll bring it up. I was talking about at the beginning is the 24-hour rule. Any major purchases in our home, we always give it 24 hours of prayer before we purchase it. This has made so many used car salesmen mad. But we've had those men from time to time that were just godly men. And we turned to them and said, we love the car. It's in our price range. But we promised God a long time ago we'll never make a major decision again without praying about it. And they turned to us and go, I wish more people would do that. Good for you. Get out of here. Call me if you want it. 24-hour rule. Let me just turn to you and tell you another one. You're going to hear a hundred no's before you hear that one God yes. You've heard me say it a thousand times, and I'll say it again. You've got to get comfortable with no. You've got to get comfortable with no. You've got to get comfortable with no. And let me tell you why. Because with every no you receive, you're one step closer to God's yes. 
He knows his best. He knows his plan. He wants it for you. And so a key part, I think every one of us to get better at this, we've got to learn how to slow down. Slow down. I'm going to break this into an acronym so that you can really get this. The S in slow, we need to see God's ways. We need to start recognizing to slow down. If we can slow down and quit doing it our way and quit thinking about barns all the time and to really say, I want God for my life, my God's best, then see God's ways and slow down. Is there anybody that ever wanted to know the will of God in their life? Is there anybody that would say, I, I want to know God's will for my life? Okay, then let's do this. I'm going to take this little marker here. I never want you to forget this. Let's put you... Right there, okay? That is God's will for your life, okay? So let me give you the quick explanation of how you will always know if you're in God's will. You ready? You will always be in God's will when you're in God's ways. Come on. Come on. You know who the people are clapping? The ones who know what it's like to be out of God's ways. It's like, I ain't going back. No, you you teenagers should be clapping there saying, y'all should get up and y'all should say, y'all should pay that pastor more. (laughs) You want to know how you're in God's will? It's when you know his ways. When we're completely, wholeheartedly dependent upon him. Father, I don't want to build barns. I want to build your kingdom. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. The L, we got to slow down. And we got to love what God loves. There are people God loves that you don't even realize you're going to be a blessing in their life. There are things that God wants to do. It's going to be something you want to do because you know it's something God loves. We got to see God's ways. We got to love what God loves. And the O is we got to own up to selfishness. Just own up to it. Let me tell you one of the most powerful prayers you ever pray. You ready? God, I am so sorry. See how easy that was? That was so simple. Do you think God's going to go, mm, no, no, I don't, want, I don't want that prayer? God is sitting on the edge of heaven going, come on, say it. Just say it. Come on, come on. You can do it. Quit being so prideful. Would you just slow down and own up to your selfishness? And when we stop and we go, Father, I'm so sorry. It only comes from slowing down. But it's one of the greatest prayers you'll ever pray in your life. Last one. I want to slow down and we want to walk dependent on God. You are my source. It's a great prayer to teach your kids. Instead of praying for everybody, say, hey, kids, let's, let's direct tonight. Tonight, I want to teach you how to pray in a way that we're going to start praying more in our family. Let's start off with this. Father, we are your servants. We are your sons and daughters, and we honor you with everything that is us. We are completely dependent on you, oh God. And when we teach our kids that, and they go back, why did you make us pray that when we were little, mom and dad? Because there was a time that mom and dad didn't realize just how 
positive we were in things that weren't God's best in our life. And we learn that one of the greatest positive statements we'll ever declare on our life is that we're completely dependent upon God. That's the direction we want to take our soul. That's the direction we want to take our heart. And it really boils down, today is all about our complete dependence on God. You know what honors God? Complete dependence on God. If there's, Heather, Heather couldn't go to sleep last night. She is like, I feel like I'm so positive. And I said, babe, I love your positivity. You're incredible. But do you realize how many times you lead this family in your declarations for who God is? And she goes, I do? I said, oh my gosh, you are the champion in our family who says we will think God thoughts. We will choose God's path. We will make God's ways in our, in our life. And she finally put it together that she was so cheerleader and she was so positive. She was so, our, our minds didn't be different, but she didn't realize how the two went together. She'd been doing it without even being, being taught. But I think sometimes some of us don't know that we're actually declaring an anti-Jesus statement by declaring what we want to do versus what God wants to do. And let me just, let me just stop right here. The worship team's coming up. And, and uh, did, did y'all get something out of today? Did y'all get something? Yeah. Well, good. Good. But maybe you're sitting here today and you would say, Pastor Ty, this is going to take me a little bit. I think I'm... I think I'm experiencing some consequences from choosing something that wasn't God's best in my life. All right. Well, why don't we just start there? Here's what the declaration of, of the Word says, is that He will turn this around when you give it to Him. And we're not asking Him to bless something that we're wanting to do. We're saying a humble, submissive attitude towards God of declaring maybe some things that we did that wasn't his best. But Father, if you would be the Lord of my life, I know you can turn this around. And I will never, ever again in my life do the things that I know I should have done differently back then. And God says, way to go. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. I'm sitting on the edge of the, of the porch and I'm ready for you to come home. So why don't we just bow our heads, close our Father, today I pray for every person in this room. Uh, uh, the sound of my voice on our online campus today. In this room, in our, in our overflow. Jesus, today, right now in this spot, we want to declare our dependency on you. And Father, today I pray for grace, amazing grace. Grace that saves the sinner grace that saves the, the people that just didn't know better. Grace that saves the positive. Grace that saves the rebellious. And grace that rescues us all if we could just declare, Father I need you and I am sorry and I am ready. Show me how to make you the Lord of my life completely dependent upon you in my ways in my thinking, in my heart to honor you with my very best. Father, would you do that right now? Father, during this worship song, a song we all know so well, I pray for everybody in this room 
that doesn't know you, that they would really ask themselves, why have I never surrendered to you, Jesus? Give them the words to speak. Give them the the attitude to have to approach your throne and the grace and the mercy that's waiting on them. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet? Come on, let's worship the Lord.